Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy. For today, my name is Heather. I'm going to give you some news and views from a West Texans biblical point of view. One you're not going to find in your mainstream media. Hello, folks. Hello, hello. Welcome to this evening's podcast. I have a lot of topics to cover that we'd really like to talk about, but I have narrowed it down to, I believe, three Three topics that are probably pretty important right now. So numero uno is Dems helping people with unwanted same-sex attractions is criminal. Guys, this is at the WND, WND.com from Bob Unruh. The other one is Satanic Temple to host Let Us Burn events at state capitals to mock God and Believers, guys, is from David Furiazo, and you can find it at davidfuriazo.com. And the very last one I want to talk to you guys about is The Anatomy of a Scoffer. This is by John Solom, and I talked a bit about this last night, kind of hinted at it. Um, And I'm probably not going to read the entire article. It is quite lengthy, but very, very informative, I'm sure. We'll touch on that. And tonight I have another article that I want to read you guys. And it is actually from Michelle Mooneyham. Michelle Mooneyham. And we'll, we'll talk about that um, today. And so we'll open with that article because it is super good. It's going to go on the Bible prophecy for today.com website it's going to go in the blog there and uh, so give a shout out to um, Michelle so let's start with that and uh, you know what I forgot to do last night was I forgot to finish the battle plan Alan Jackson's battle plan the evening closing I forgot to do that and I thought oh my goodness I was already editing I was about to upload when I dawned on me and I was like ah oh, it's too late now but uh, we can close with that today so i'm gonna adjust my mic so uh, i don't want to be too loud i'm sorry i'm not using my boom arm i'm using the little mic stand you know i guess they call them the little podcast stands super small anyway <laughs> so uh let's 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 check out this article by michelle mooneyham all right so this is uh it's called the straight edge so Uh, She says, while in middle school, my daughter's science teacher assigned a project that included drawing and labeling parts of a cell. When she brought the completed assignment home, she did not have a perfect score, even though all of the parts were labeled correctly. She just could not understand why. When I called to talk to her teacher in case there had been a mistake, she replied, and I quote, I instructed the students to use a straight edge for the lines labeling the parts, unquote. Of course, I was still perplexed as the lines appeared very straight to me, so I grabbed a ruler to check. When I held the ruler, when I held the straight edge up to the lines, it was apparent that the lines had been freehanded. Her instruction had been clear, quote, use a straight edge, unquote. She goes on to say, it seems that society has forgotten that we have been instructed to use a straight edge as well. Everyone seems to want to do what they feel is okay. I mean, it isn't too bad to do this or that. It looks pretty straight. The problem is that when we bring God's word alongside our seemingly straight choices, 
we find that our lines are all over the place. We are given clear instruction in his word. We were never expected to try to figure things out on our own. We have guidelines given to us for our safety and protection, but the world just wants to, quote, do what is right in his own eyes, unquote, as was the case in Judges 21:25. She says, when we look to God's word for direction, this does not mean we can pick and choose random verses to force our lines to look straight. Hebrews 11:6 states, and I quote, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, unquote. This seeking is a diligent search, not a haphazard flipping open to a page and picking a random verse. Diligent implies an earnest study type seeking. The world wants to say that certain verses mean this or that according to what they desire for it to mean. However, we cannot have a secondhand relationship with the Father. We need to look in His Word and we need to look into His Word and see what He has to say rather than relying on the interpretation of so many who are leading people astray. That is absolutely true, you guys. That is truth right there. Michelle, thank you so much um, for um, sending that blog. I think that's going to be great. That's going to go on the website. Um, probably get that up there tomorrow night. And um, wow, wow, that is fantastic. That is an eye-opener. Definitely makes you think. And that's true. That's true, guys. You know, we can't compare... Um, we can't compare our walk with somebody else's walk. And, you know, you got all those pastors and teachers. I think, I just want you to live your precious life now. And that's not God's best. And blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my mom always said, uh, if you can't find it in the word of God, whatever they're telling you, then you better not believe it. So you got to be your own Berean. Be your own Berean. And I love that. That is a good deal. That is good stuff right there. Like she says, yeah, you can't pick and choose random verses to force our lines to look straight. I like that. You know, they try to do that. There's a lot of homosexuals out there that try uh, to depict Jonathan and David as in a homosexual. And it's not. That's absolutely blasphemy. That's um, heretical. And uh, but yet they try to force that uh, to make them feel okay. But it's not true. But anyway, that's good stuff, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so I'm going to jump into the lengthy article, which is The Anatomy of a Scoffer by John Salome or Solom. Posted on the 17th of June at raptureready.com. Raptureready.com. And I'm probably not going to read this entire article. It's quite late tonight. And uh, I got a late start on the podcast. I have dog clients and work. And if you wonder what dog clients are, I own Get Along Little Doggies. Yeah. Get Along Little Doggies. You remember that song? Get Along Little Doggies. Anyway. And I named it so. My friend Chrissy actually named my company for me years ago. And I had wiener dogs. And boy, I've had wiener dogs my entire life. And uh, my last wiener dog passed away uh, December the 7th of 2019. Um, so she's a long dog. So get along, <laughs> little doggies. So anyway, I do uh, pass hitting, dog walking, and all that good stuff. And uh, so anyway, I work uh, full time. And then I do that as well. So tonight was uh, a little late. So anyway. So let's jump in to this article by John Solom or Salome. It's S-A-L-O-M. You guys be the judge of how you want to pronounce that. I'm just a country girl, you know, just a girl from Texas. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so he starts out, surely at some point as a modern day watchman on the wall, you have experienced that sharp 
smirk or the raising of unbelieving eyebrows as you attempt to explain to a lost friend or family member that the world we now see unfolding before our very eyes is exactly as the Bible said it would be at the end of the age and that the long-awaited return of Jesus to this earth is finally upon us. Perhaps your warnings have even evoked laughter or biting sarcasm, scoffing, or a more contentious nature. None of this, however, has really come as a surprise to you as this sort of response is exactly what is expected from among those who are perishing. The real dismay then comes when you find yourself on the receiving end of scoffing, not from an unbeliever, but from a fellow brother or sister in Christ to share that news that ought to be exciting to any follower of Christ or of Jesus only to have it summarily rejected can leave us scratching our heads with questions. Why would those who love Jesus or at least profess to love him be opposed to his return to gather us all into himself that where he is, uh, we may be awesome. The answer to that question can be a bit complicated, but we shall endeavor to address it with wisdom from God's word. He says, I believe Peter's second and final epistle can shed some light on this perturbing phenomenon we are experiencing in this last hour. The elder apostle, knowing and stating in this epistle that he is not long for this world, pulls no punches as he pours out his final words to those sheep he had once promised his master he would feed. Let us read carefully his words. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That is Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Two words jump out at me in this passage that I believe help to explain the aforementioned phenomenon. Fathers and creation. He says, allow me to expand on this. Allow me to grab a sip of my coffee really quick. Mm-hmm. If you're wondering what I drink, I like Equal Exchange. You guys ever drink Equal Exchange coffee? It's pretty good stuff. Pretty good. It's organic. It's good. And uh, they got a lot of good. I like the Love Buzz. That's pretty good. It's got little chocolatey overtones. <laughs> anyway, I thought I'd throw that in there to keep you guys awake. Anyway, so he goes on to say, firstly, um, so he goes, firstly, who are these fathers mentioned here by the apostle? He goes, I want you to consider now that this is already very near the time of Peter's death and also very near the time of Paul's death. Furthermore, James, the brother of our Lord and the writer of his own epistle, had already been martyred at the time of this writing. James, in full in full and eager expectation, wrote before his death, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. That's James 5, 8. And so he says, Paul, in his epistles to the Corinthians and the Thessalonians, had more than once spoken as if the coming of our Lord Jesus was very near. And yet he himself would soon be absent from the body, not long or long before his prediction would come to pass. Peter himself, who had proclaimed Christ's return as far back as his first message on the day of Pentecost, would soon be gone. I believe that these fathers who had fallen asleep that Peter is referring to are the very same men who initially proclaimed the return of Christ, those early church fathers who would ultimately not be around to see the return of Christ during their lifetime. The scoffers would one day say, these men who once warned us of this coming day are long gone and every go and everything goes on just like it always has. 
Now, let us briefly consider the word creation. These same scoffers acknowledge creation. In fact, in the following verse, it, is, it says they willfully forget the flood that once destroyed the world. Notice they don't deny that flood. You see, friends, these scoffers acknowledge the fathers. They admit to creation and admit to a worldwide flood. These scoffers that Peter is warning us about are none other than believers. He is warning us not to be like these believers. Listen to his words just a little bit further down in his letter. And I quote, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Don't scoff at that day. He is exhorting. Look for it and hasten it. And it goes on to say the scriptures are abundantly clear that the Christian should ever be on the watch for his master's return. That we are to actively look for and be constantly prepared for his return. Consider these words from Luke's gospel. Quote, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master when he comes will find watching. That is Luke chapter 12 verses 35 through 37a. Further down the same passage, it reads, quote, Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give him or to give them their portion of food in due season? And that's Luke chapter 12, verses 40 through 42. How appropriate that it was Peter, the apostle, who was once commissioned with the statement, feed my sheep, is here asking this question of our Lord some 30 years prior to the writing of his second epistle where he is echoing the words of his master. He goes on to say, here are a few more passages for your consideration. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and cares of this life at that in that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. That's Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 36. And so John goes on to say, I humbly encourage all my preterist brethren to consider that the events of AD 70 were not as a snare on all those who dwell in the face of the whole earth. He says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's Matthew chapter 24 verses 43 and 44. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming, begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. That's Matthew 24 verses 48 and 51. 
Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Revelation chapter three, verse three. And while they went to buy the by the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Matthew chapter 25, verses 10 through 13. And let us not forget that while we cannot know the day or the hour, we can and should know the season. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses four through six. And finally, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. You guys, mm. now that is some word, some good word from God's word. So he goes on to say, Again, the warnings are abundantly clear that we are not only to be watchful and prepared at all times, but that we can also know and distinctly see when the day is approaching. So when Jesus had once sternly rebuked the Pharisees for not discerning the times in which they lived, did it not infer that there were indeed many signs that they should have rightly discerned at his first advent? Should we, all, should we now also be guilty of the same blindness at his second advent? If I am expected to know these signs of the times, what are they then? You may ask, what followers are just a handful of the many we find in Scripture? Whoa. So he says, what follows are just a handful of the many we find in Scripture? So imagine for a moment an ancient people group who nearly 2,000 years ago were defeated and displaced from their ancient homeland, becoming refugees in every corner of the globe. Imagine then that this ancient culture maintained a lot of their ancient ways and their heritage in whatever corner of the world to which they had been scattered for nearly two millennia. Then imagine those same peoples returning to that land had once been displaced from for so long, a land that lay barren and desolate for the entirety of their absence just as had been prophesied over three thousand years ago by the mouth of Moses this is a feat that had never before occurred in all of human history never has there ever been a displaced civilization in all the annals of recorded history that was removed and then ended up returning to their ancient homeland and resuming their existence as an ethnic group or a nation. The scriptures give us numerous prophecies from both the major and minor prophets concerning this return to the land of their fathers. Against all odds, Israel became a nation once again in just one day as foretold by the prophet Isaiah. It took two world worlds and the coming together of a million different pieces of a very complex puzzle 
for it to occur. It was nothing short of a modern day miracle and is also the most prominent sign that we are living at the end of the age. Both the apocalypses of Daniel and John are not possible without the existence of a national Israel. They are God's prophetic time clock and the reason for the seven year tribulation, otherwise known as the time of Jacob's trouble for the 70th week of Daniel. These will be the last seven years of human history before Messiah comes to establish his kingdom upon the earth. Moreover, what can be known from scripture about this terrifying time in human history can already be seen on the prophetic horizon, not very far off in the distance, I might add, he says. Take, for example, the early judgments of the Lord, the seven seals from the book of Revelation. The second seal tells us of a rider and a fiery red horse to whom it was granted that he should take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another the scripture tells us that he has given a great sword we live in a, t- in a society today where violence is teeming just below a very thin veneer of civility that is hanging on by a thread generations have been conditioned with the increasingly violent nature of our entertainment from movies to video games mass shootings violent uprising rioting and brazen acts of lawlessness are on the order of the day are the order of the day the rider on the ride horse will not have to stir the waters of our present world very much to accomplish his goal so what about the third seal one that points a world one one that points to a worldwide famine and hyperinflation when the rider on the black horse makes his debut a loaf of bread will be going for the bargain basement price of just a whole day's wage have you not heard of the countless food processing facilities that have suspiciously burnt to the ground in the last year or so or maybe the displacement of farmers that is happening around the globe in places like the netherlands to india to the united states the war in the ukraine considered the bread basket of europe is causing alarming short how about the war on cattle or rice in the name of climate change rice being the primary food stable in huge swaths of the globe maybe you've heard about globalist billionaires who are buying up farmland as quickly as they can in order to stop farming from taking place altogether under the false pretense of saving the planet or maybe you've heard of the extremely alarming shortages of fertilizer worldwide which is desperately needed to maintain the global food supply has anyone noticed any recent inflation trends all of this amounts to various experts around the globe sounding the alarm that we are headed for severe global famine in the near future we are racing toward the four horsemen as they race toward us friends he says and i could not agree more i have got to get some coffee Give me a moment, folks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. So what other signs do you say? Give me more. I'm still not convinced, he says. So Revelation 13 tells us of a one-world government, a one-world currency, and a one-world religion. Allow me to answer those future predictions made in Revelation with current preparations that are being made right before our eyes. <clears throat> So, the World Economic Forum, Central Bank, Digital Currencies, and AI. The WEF has made no attempt to conceal their agenda. The wealthiest, most powerful, most influential people on the globe meet regularly in Davos, Switzerland, to discuss and hasten their Agenda 2030. In summary, it is a plan for world governments. The CBDCs, or Central Bank Digital Currencies, 
are not your digital bank account, credit cards, or Apple Pay on your phone. This is different. They represent a currency that is programmable, can carry with it an expiration date, and has the capability of being turned on or off. Sound familiar? Like maybe something that could be used to control your ability to buy or sell? Believe it, friends. They are coming to a theater near you very soon. We are already, because we already have numerous examples from FedNow to the Unicoin to the soon to be introduced BRICS currency that has been announced for a late August of 23 debut. These digital currencies will not be the notorious mark of the beast, but will be used to facilitate that mark during the tribulation. Lastly, if you have not been keeping up with the advances in AI, he goes, I congratulate you on your off-the-grid existence, but are likely not reading this article. 2023 is turning out to be the year of AI. Every day we hear on the news some interesting new tidbit that is related to AI. Perhaps it is the many characters who have been involved over the years in its development that are now screaming from the rooftops about its dangers and the need for serious regulatory action to be established while others call for a six-month moratorium on all further developments of this technology. Maybe it is the warning of the many jobs AI is soon and sure to make obsolete. And even more nefarious than this, mm-hmm. though, is this author's belief that AI will soon be the source of great deception upon mankind. I agree. I totally agree, Mr. Solemn. I do. Uh, its intelligence will soon far exceed that of a human to the point that it will be presenting concepts that are beyond our capacity to even understand. Make no mistake about it, though, friends. It is not sentient. It does not have a soul. It is a computer with lines of code and has gathered all of its intelligence from the vast amounts of human data that has been made available to it. Human data that in this world has been corrupted by the fall of man, as the old saying goes, garbage in, garbage out. Now we are hearing famous transhumanists like the World Economic Forum's own Yuval Noah Harari proclaiming that AI will give us the first religious text not written by humans. Just this week, a Lutheran church in Germany held the first service where the sermon had been written or entirely written by AI and was facilitated by a chat bot avatar that led the service from a large monitor that stood in place where the preacher would normally deliver his message. Folks, I saw this. I could not believe it. And the lines were out the door. Folks, it was quite disturbing. Anyway, he continues and he says, AI will soon be offering humanity extremely advanced and deceptive philosophy and could very well be the source of this false religion that the Bible tells us will take the world by storm. It's incredible potential to mimic and create deep fakes like the recent video that appeared to depict Russian President Vladimir Putin declaring martial law on state television, causing a panic on many whom believed it to be genuine in its uncanny ability to produce increasingly convincing holograms of stars long since deceased 
may very well be how the image of the beast is given breath or life. Revelation 13, 15. It will undoubtedly play a role in the monitoring of every person on the globe, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. Still not convinced, he asks? Let's see what the Apostle Paul had to say about these days. And he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, arrogant, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, haters, or I'm sorry, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And of course, folks, that is Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Sound eerily familiar, he asks. Give yourself just five minutes on your choice of TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube and see if Paul's description isn't spot on when compared to our day. We live in a day when prominent companies are tripping over themselves to be next in line to lose billions of dollars just to align with woke ideologies where drag queens dressed as nuns are the new elementary school teacher or worse, Sunday school teacher and where pornographic material has replaced coloring books. Noah and Lot would feel right at home in these days. If this doesn't qualify as perilous times, then you too have a conscience that has been seared with or seared as with a hot iron you guys Mm. he goes on to conclude he says shall i go on how about i ring off just a few more signs for good measure increased atmospheric disturbances volcanoes and earthquakes creation is groaning with birth pains pestilence think 2020 need i say more he says Wars and rumors of wars. The conflict in Ukraine has us closer to nuclear war than we ever were during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Preparations being made for a third Jewish temple, which according to scripture will be in place during the tribulation. Everything from the Temple Institute to DNA tests done to find descendants of Levi, a revived Sanhedrin, and perfect red heifers being flown into Israel. I would say from Texas, by the way. (laughs) Anyway, uh, tell me that all of these predictions from Scripture concerning a nation that by all reasonable accounts shouldn't even exist are merely coincidence. And I'll tell you that the fat lady is singing while she rides a flying pig through hell on a cold day. (laughs) I love it. And yes, there's still a hell no matter what your local Laodicean seeker uh, friendly pastor coddled you with this last Sunday during his humanistic motivational self-improvement speech. Go ahead and add apostasy to that list of end time signs. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three and first Timothy chapter four, verse one. And he says, friends, Jesus is coming soon. And I agree. He says, still, we have yet to finish dissecting our scoffer and have not satisfactorily answered our original question. We can see that the scripture encourages us not to scoff at the Lord's return, that God's word, in fact, repeatedly uh, exhorts us to be watching, praying, and anticipating his return. Furthermore, the scripture tells us, as children of light, we can see the day approaching and then gives us numerous signs to be looking for, many of which we've just reviewed. So what is it then? Why are there still so many believers wearing foolish version t-shirts and failing to BYOO, bring your own oil? I find that a very satisfying explanation actually comes 
comes from one of the least likely characters from the Old Testament. Yes, I still read my Old Testament, he says, no matter how many preachers try to convince me, it is no longer relevant. I find that he continues to stubbornly be the foundation upon which all of my New Testament is built, he says. <laughs> Take that, Andy Stanley. Sorry. <laughs> he goes, so who is this unlikely character to which I am referring, he asks. It is none other than Jericho's surprise hero of faith, the harlot Rahab. The second chapter of Joshua tells us how two Israelite spies were successfully hidden by Rahab when their presence had been detected within the city walls of the ill-fated Jericho. Three things, he says, I believe distinguished Rahab and sealed her own fate in this tale of courage and believe that is later recapped for us in the famous Hebrews faith Hall of Fame, Hebrews 11. Firstly, the Bible tells us that Rahab was informed. She tells the spies that she had kept up with the children of Israel's um, escapade since her hurried escape from Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea, an event that had taken place over 40 years prior before she was even born. She goes on to say that she knew of their conquest and their successes as they made their way to the land of Canaan and how God had granted them victory every step of the way. Secondly, being armed with this information, the seed of faith began to germinate in her heart of this Canaanite woman. She makes this confession of faith when she states, for the Lord, for the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Her faith was so great that the author of Hebrews lumped her in among a list of people who showed tremendous faith over the years. No doubt Rahab was truly afraid as she saw those things that were coming upon her city, her family, and her own life. Surely she was tempted to turn these spies in and perhaps find favor among the king of Jericho and her city's leaders. Maybe she even entertained the thought that if the spies were caught, the children of Israel might change their minds about attacking her city. We will never know what emotions and inner turmoil Rahab was suddenly faced with as these two men showed up on her doorstep. What we do know is the simple statement that Hebrew gives us that Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. This was so this was no small matter of flipping a coin or consulting a magic eight ball. No, Rahab committed to her actions and her decisions and laid everything on the line based upon her belief. This was true, genuine faith. And thirdly, Rahab understood that everything was getting ready to change at the life she had once known and Jericho was over. The children of Israel were here and normal wasn't coming back. She was willing to let go of her world for whatever it was that God had next for her, no matter how different things may end up being. The scripture tells us that Rahab eventually went on to marry a prince of Judah and that this Gentile prostitute became a part of the bloodline that would eventually lead to the Messiah. How absolutely fit for the undeserving to become worthy of such an honor by means of faith. This is why the author of Hebrews included this unlikely candidate among such a prestigious list. So, there you have it, he says. My beloved brother or sister that is card that is a card-carrying member of the End Time Scoffers Club, it is high time that we, like the courageous and wise Rahab, got informed. We need to be students of God's Word and understand Bible prophecy, not just ignore it because of past foolishness among Christians who mistakenly made wild predictions or tried to set dates for the Lord's return. The damage done to those of us who are truly waiting for our Lord's return a return through his through this misguided enthusiasm has been a true tragedy among the body of Christ. Our faith in this hour needs to be the unshakable faith of a decisive Rahab, a faith that helps to loosen our grip 
on this dying world. Too many of us are in no rush to see the Lord's return because we are hanging on to a great many unfulfilled dreams of this temporal and passing world. It is time to let Jericho go. This is not our home, nor has it ever been, friends, he says. This is why our own Prince of Judah has gone on to prepare a place for us. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Folks, that article was by John Salome. John Salome. And what a wonderful article that was. That, folks, should get, should light a fire underneath you. Wow. If you guys want to contact him, you can contact him at JJ. O-N-A-F-L-I-E-S at AOL.com. AOL.com. That is J-J. Okay. J-J-O-N-A-F-L-I-E-S at AOL.com. So it's like uh, J-J on a flies kind of at AOL.com. Super cool. That, folks, that was a long article, but I think it was totally, totally worth it um, to read that entire article. Um, anyway, so we got just a little bit of time left here. So Satanic Temple uh, to host Let Us Burn events at state capitals to mock God. This is by David Furiazzo, and it's quite short, uh, but packed as normal. He goes, uh, it is both predictable and prophetic. The Satanic Temple, or TST, is planning a tour to bring a band called Satanic Planet to different states to mock the one true God and to specifically counteract Christian music Sean Fute's a concert tour in recent years. Fuse Let Us Worship tour has performed at several state capitals and upon hearing the news, he responded, imitation is the highest form of flattery. <laughs> True. You may have heard of Let Us Worship, a prayer, worship, and revival movement that has gained some momentum since the chaos of COVID-19 pandemic this week, or pandemic. This week happens to be its three-year anniversary and countless lives have been encouraged, saved, and or, or saved or set free from addiction, fear, and hopelessness through Jesus Christ as a result. Now, the Satanic Temple is looking to send its band to cities following uh, Sean Fuse's tour. Only this one will exalt darkness on the Let Us Burn tour. The band's first single released in 2021 is called Baphomet, which is a deity worshipped by multiple occult groups and is TST's or the Satanic, Tem- Satanic Temple's mascot. Their rebellious events have included unbaptism during their shows for people wanting to renounce their faith publicly. Lucian Grease, founder of the TST and leader of the band Satanic Planet, announced his tour on Twitter, stating, and I quote, He, Fute, has his opinions and we have ours, but one thing the government cannot do is prevent his viewpoint over ours by giving him exclusive access to perform a concert on the Capitol grounds. That stage is every bit as much as ours as it is his, so in the name of pluralism and religious liberty, There are some state capitals that are likely soon to be hosting Satanic Planet shows, unquote. And uh, David goes on to say, isn't it interesting? They demand co-ownership in a nation founded on biblical principles and values. The Satanic Temple's band has even copied Fuse's logo, but uses an upside-down cross instead. It seems the the Satanists and their useful idiots are trying to play catch-up on some of the things Christians have been doing to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can imitate, mock, or counterfeit 
but they seem to have a problem creating. Why? Because that's God's job. Uh, but they are doing their best. They recently launched a subscription-based media platform called the Satanic Temple TV, announcing plans to open its own school after Oklahoma approved the state's first taxpayer-funded religious church school. Nathan Shaw, Fuller, Communications Coordination for Intercessors for America states, and I quote, as Christians begin seeing policy wins across the nation, TST is raising challenges at every turn. The organization's Let Us Burn tour is only the latest in a long list of attempts to counter the influence of Christianity. We have to remember, however, that God is in control. Unquote. And I completely agree. God is in control. Praise the Lord. So remember the darker it gets in this world, in our culture, the broader every true believer's light shines. News stories like the like this are signs the enemy is rattled and the end is getting closer. And I'm not going to give any more time uh, to the Satanic Temple, um, that story at all. So anywho i'm gonna move right along here and so there's one other one so the dims helping people with unwanted same-sex attraction is criminal so this is about dave under and you can find it at wnd.com posted june 27th of 2023 and uh folks this is a small article i would say a little small but power packed so let's say uh what old bob has to say here so he says, doo, 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 for at least the fourth straight Congress, uh, Democrats have introduced the Therapeutic Fraud Prevention Act, trying to criminalize and destroy uh, talk therapy that offers help to members of society with unwanted same-sex attractions. They insist that such help to those who want it is illegal. A leftist diatribe about the issue published online claimed, within one sentence, the treatments are a discredited practice in a discredited practice. But what is discredited are the long discontinued practices of force electric shocks and the like that had been used by American medical industry in years gone by. The therapy now involves only talk, and that has been affirmed in some federal courts across the U.S. Representative Ted uh, Liu of a Democrat of California said his ideology would make it illegal to provide such talk therapy to any individual. The online report explained the issues involved a broad range of interventions designed to change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity. The report claimed it is supported by the false belief that LGBTQ identities are pathologies that need to be cured. However, the bigger issue is that when there are those who voluntarily leave the LGBTQ lifestyle, it decimates that community's arguments that they are born that way and they need privileges in society because of their status. WND contacted Lou's office too with queries about how such a protection written into the law would impact odd cases in which adult men have decided to identify as six-year-old girls and gotten a response. One situation was profiled by Daily Mail. It reported a few years, years back on the 52-year-old Canadian man who was married with seven kids who left his family to live as a six-year-old girl. Now calling himself St- Stephanie Volts, he dresses as a little girl and spends time playing in coloring. He said, quote, I've moved forward now and I've gone back to being a child. I don't want to be an adult right now, unquote. 
The former Paul Vaught said he used to be eight, but then another girl wanted a little sister, so he decided to be six. Another similar scenario was captured on video. It's a 60-year-old transgender man identifies as a six-year-old, and I'm going to watch that. The Hill said the movement has 62 Democrat co-sponsors in a companion bill in the Senate as 32 Democrats in support. Folks, this is wicked, wicked, wicked. Pedophiles, freaks, but hey. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We can't tell these people. Oh, my gosh. Oh, LGBTQ, ABCDEFG alphabet folks, activists have endorsed the strategy. Of course they have. The pro-alphabet American Metal, uh, Medical Association claims that a variety of, quote, sexual and gender identities is just normal variations. However, <laughs> members of that community exhibit an extraordinarily high rate of attempted and successful suicides. Lou called the talk therapy fake science. Already, more than a dozen states have banned that free speech, but in several states, the bans themselves are banned because of an appeals court ruling. WD reported only weeks ago that a court ruling was delivering legal fees to Liberty Council, which successfully fought on behalf of several plaintiffs against Florida City's bans on ordinary talk therapy for minors who have unwanted same-sex attractions. The plaintiffs also were awarded damages. The court earlier ruled that such limits violate the First Amendment and other circumstances um, similar to those uh, profiled by Lou. Now, Liberty Council won the cases Otto versus Boca Raton and Vaso versus Tampa that involved the government censorship of counselors who were asked to provide minor clients with help to reduce or eliminate unwanted same-sex attractions, behaviors, or gender confusion. It represented Drs. Robert Otto and Julie Hamilton in their challenge to the censorship ruled by Boca Raton in Palm Beach County, disallowing that counselor's speech. The 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals previously struck those government rules as being contingent and viewpoint-based in a violation of the Constitution. Liberty Council said, according to, a quote, according to the judgment, Palm County, uh, Palm Beach County uh, will financially compensate Dr. Otto $50,000 and Dr. Hamilton $50,000 for damages on all their claims for relief. The city of Boca Raton will also compensate Dr. Otto $50,000 and Dr. Hamilton $25,000. Liberty Council was awarded its fees and costs for handling this case and another similar case of about $950,000. So there you have it, folks. Wickedness, wickedness abounds. I just never, ever, ever thought I would see all of this happening in my lifetime. And I know you guys uh, never thought this would uh, happen in your lifetime as well. But it is. And what are we to do? Cow down, hide in daddy's basement? (laughs) No. No, we're to stand for the Lord and tell people about Christ. While we still have time, while we still have time, guys, uh, I cannot emphasize that enough. We are living in the end days, uh, just like um, John wrote in his article there, John Salome. That was a fantastic article. We are in the end days. Everything he laid out for you guys, wide open Bible right there. Hold it up to your newspaper if they even make those anymore. <laughs> um but, uh, you know, I, I do this podcast, you know, because, you know, I want to glorify God. I want God to be glorified, Jesus to be glorified, the Holy Spirit. And I want people to get saved before it's too late. Get saved. Get saved. You may not, uh, I mean, you may not see the tribulation. You may get hit by a bus. I mean, you could drop dead from a blood clot from your vaccine or something. I mean, you never know. Nobody knows. You don't know. Only God knows. 
when your time is up. And uh, um, I implore you, if you have not cried out to Jesus to save you, I pray that you do that today. I mean, that's my heartfelt prayer, you guys. Oh, and all of us that are believers, that are saved, that are in the family, we are in the family, brothers and sisters, that we would not forsake the assembling of ourselves, that we need to get with other believers, that we need to spend time, because that, that's where we, you know, we gain hope and encouragement that way, fellowshipping with one another. Uh, and if you're in a place where you can fellowship with somebody else, um, you know, phone calls, Zoom meetings, whatever you can do, um, you know, to fellowship. And, um, you know, uh, this is time is short and uh, soon we will all be in um, house churches, I'm sure. It's kind of like the, the way it started. You know, we had the big house, the big rock concerts, fog machines and all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they're not worshiping God, I don't think. Um, when you go back and you look at these things, it's more of a worship of self. But anyway, I digress. Spencer Smith, go check him out on YouTube. <laughs> uh, getalifemedia.com. Getalifemedia.com. Go check out Pastor Billy Crone. Uh, get the app. Believe me, you're going to want to listen uh, to his Bible studies. J.D. Farag. Not frog, but frog, F-A-R-A-G dot org. Go check out J-D, frog dot org. Check him out on his Bible prophecy uh, updates. And uh, don't forget, Pastor Meter. They're at Athy Creek, com. You can find him on YouTube. He has a prophecy update the first Friday, I believe, of every month. It might be Wednesday, Friday, something like that. Anyway, go check him out. Uh, John Holler. He's got a lot of updates, too. Um, lots of folks out there. Lots of folks. Steve and Paulette Kozar at the Messed Up Church. Hit the bar. Go check them out as well. Anyway, and if you're so inclined, go to um, Bible Prophecy, the number 42day.com. And uh, there's a whole list of resources, uh, teachings, pastor, all kinds of stuff there. Um, so if you're looking for trusted pastor, pastors, resources, and authors or whatever, please go to BibleProphecyNumber4Today.com and uh, check that out too. Um, anyway, and I'm going to be uploading Michelle's article that we read earlier today. That was fantastic. I'm telling you, and she's going to write more articles for the blog. And I know y'all are excited about that. I know I am excited about that. Woohoo! <laughs> so hey, God is great. He brings people into our lives. And I'm just so thankful for that. So, guys, I'm going to get off of here because I've got to go to bed. It's super late, my time, and the air conditioning is not working because it was 103 today, 103. And, uh, you know, air conditioners just can't keep up with that very much. But, uh, <laughs> folks, be in prayer. Uh, praise God. I'm moving to the house, uh, the good Lord willing, on August the 1st. And uh, I may get to move maybe that weekend. We'll see. But, anyway, with that, guys, I'm really going to get off of here. So, <laughs> Get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God get into you. And Maranatha, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Uh, thanks you guys so much for listening. May God bless each and every one of you. Keep looking up. Keep looking for the return of Christ. He's coming. And you don't want to be caught off guard. We want oil in our lamps, right? We want to be ready and waiting. Oh, my gosh. So, so excited. I'm so excited because I know the time is soon. And I believe the promise of Christ that he won't leave us here. So anyway, uh, with that, guys, um, 
thank you so much for all your support and encouragement and i just pray that i just pray that this podcast is an encouragement to you guys and that it glorifies jesus it glorifies god and it brings you guys to christ uh, and it encourages you too to keep uh keep running your race keep running your race anyway with that guys all right have a good night god bless